Okay, I think we're going to get started here. How you doing? Welcome to the John Riley Project. We're back at you. This is episode number 272. Hey, we're live streaming right now. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We invite you to participate in the live stream. Just, you know, get in the comment section there. You could type in your comments. Let me know. I'll be happy to read your comments and questions on the air. We'll have a little dialogue, a little fun, but really happy to be back at, back with you here. It's been a while. Um, I know some of you have been asking, what's going on? We haven't seen any episodes lately. And, you know, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So here Here's the game plan for today. Here's the agenda. And I got a big agenda because I haven't been, you know, online lately. So we're going to talk about the Oklahoma abortion bill. And I know that one is is kind of a hornet's nest. I know everyone, that's a controversial topic. We're not going to gain agreement, but we're going to put our toe in the water there. I want to make a few comments on the Oklahoma abortion bill. I'm going to give you an update on what's been going on with the John Riley Project. You know, you can probably see if you're watching on the live stream, we've got different cameras and I've been experimenting a lot over the last few weeks and I want to share with you some updates. So it's kind of a little more technical talk. If you're into audio and visual, we'll kind of break that down. Um, and then, you know, if we have time available, I want to share some some comments. You know, we were talking a lot about free speech here in the city of Poway. Um, this is my hometown, Poway, the city and the country. I want to share some thoughts on free speech and some of the protesters in our city. And then finally, I just had a great weekend. You know, I, I met Lee Hacksaw Hamilton over the weekend, um, got to watch a lot of Padre baseball. So kind of near the end, we'll talk some sports and we'll have some updates in the world of sports. But I'm just really happy to be back at with y'all. So thanks again for if you're watching on the live stream. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Participate in the live stream. And so here we go. So let's let's talk a little bit about this abortion ban in Oklahoma. And, you know, you'll probably say I'm stupid enough to really address this topic. Because I know this is one of the litmus test issues, one of the wedge issues that, you know, there's really no one on the fence on abortion. You either really pro-life or you're really pro-choice. There's not too much in between. Um, now, I'm going to share some thoughts and comments because there's a lot going on in the news with this issue with abortion and in, in a lot of different states, you know, so I'm not going to try to change your mind on this. I'm just going to kind of go through some of the news stories and kind of share my opinion on some of these issues. But, you know, uh, is it, you know, like, like I said, I, I'm probably uh putting my toe into some dangerous waters here. But anyways, let's let's go to this article. And this was in CNN, and this was from Sunday. It was from yesterday. And there's a lot of different abortion bills that are going on in a lot of different states, you know, because you know, people are clamoring to either m- maximize abortion rights or minimize abortion rights. And and so, you know, like in the state of Oklahoma, um, legislators last week passed a bill that would make really abortion virtually illegal in the state of Oklahoma, except in the state where the life of the pregnant woman was, you know, at risk, like if it was a medical emergency. And this bill hasn't been signed into law, but the governor of Oklahoma said he's going to sign any pro-life bill that crosses his desk. So, you know, this is going to become law. And the, the the fines are severe. They're they're saying that if you're a doctor that performs abortion, a hundred thousand dollar fine, as many as ten years in prison, and they're not going to punish the woman in the case, but just really the doctors. 
Um, but, you know, Oklahoma, obviously a very hardcore red state. I mean, heck, my, my son is there. He's in Oklahoma now. He's a, a student at the University of Oklahoma. And, yeah, we've been back there. Of course, it's a very Republican, Trump-loving red state, Oklahoma. So, you know, a lot of these red states are kind of getting aggressive, you know, because there's a lot going on with the Supreme Court. And I think a lot of them are trying to push the envelope, trying to force the issue on Roe v. Wade. Um, so in Oklahoma, crazy. I mean, it's going to be if when this passes, it's going to be virtually a ban on abortion in Missouri. I mean, excuse me, in Oklahoma. But Missouri's doing some things here, too. So they put together a bill and um, uh and the Republicans in Missouri have like a two to one majority. And last week they passed a broad bill that would ban abortion drugs sent through the mail. It's kind of weird. Um, defund uh, Planned Parenthood clinics in the state, which, frankly, I agree with. I mean, I don't know if government needs to be subsidizing it, um, but that's a whole kind of a- other angle to it. And allow family members to file wrongful death lawsuits in certain rare cases when children or, or fetuses are being aborted in Maryland. Um, they they pass an abortion care access act. It was actually passed by the legislator, legislature. The governor Larry Hogan vetoed it, and then they overrode the veto. And this is going to allow more healthcare professionals per, to perform an abortion procedure rather than only a licensed physician. Set up a state program to train more and to diversify abortion uh, providers. And Hogan, you know, the governor of Maryland, he. He vetoed it and he said um, he thought that the bill endangers the health and lives of women by allowing non-physicians to perform abortions. Now, (laughs) you know, is that really what he believes or is he using that as an excuse to try to to try to, uh, you know, limit the abortions in the state of Maryland? So it's it's Oklahoma, it's Maryland, it's Missouri, it's even Kentucky. So uh, in Kentucky, another red state, hardcore Trump state, but they have a Democratic governor and Democratic Governor Andy Bashir vetoed a sweeping bill last Friday that would have banned most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. So what is that? That's pretty much all second and third trimesters would be illegal for an abortion. Um, And I know they've done something similar like that in Texas where it sound, I mean, roughly speaking, you're, the first trimester, it's legal, and in the second and third trimester, it's not. Now, in Michigan, this is an interesting story. Um, the Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, on Thursday sued to challenge the state's nearly century-old abortion ban. I had no idea this even existed. Michigan has an abortion ban that's been on the books for almost a century, But it's not enforceable because of Roe v. Wade. And so um, according to an official in the governor's office, if Roe v. Wade is overturned um, and and then the 1931 Michigan abortion law goes into effect, the Wolverine state, Michigan, would have one of the most extreme abortion laws in the nation. It's like, wow. So, again, all all of this has been going down like the past couple of weeks. Um, Nebraska, they tried to pass a bill making it more difficult to have an abortion, but it wasn't successful. 
Um, it was a win for abortion right advocates. Nebraska's unicameral legislature on Wednesday failed to advance a bill entitled the Nebraska Human Life Protection Act, which was aimed at banning abortion statewide if the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. So I think California has a similar thing. If if Roe v. Wade is overturned, then California has affirmed – this has been on the books for decades, if I recall uh, – has affirmed that women would still have the right to choose. Because, you know, Roe v. Wade – just makes it a state issue. Um, and so each state can set their own law. But Roe v. Wade, of course, made it a national right to an abortion. Uh, so Nebraska tried to, uh, you know, to come uh, come down harder on abortion. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it turned out the abortion rights advocates, they, they got a win in Nebraska, another red state, kind of surprising. And then another state, went the completely in the opposite direction. Um, rather than clamping down on abortion rights, they went and actually went to expand abortion rights, and that's Colorado. So um, as surrounding red states seek to restrict abortion, Colorado Governor Jared Polis, a Democrat, signed a new bill, a law Monday, that codifies the right to an abortion in the state. And th- this, I thought, was remarkable. Um This bill says that every individual has a fundamental right to make decisions about the individual's reproductive health care, including the fundamental right to use or refuse contraception. A pregnant woman, a pregnant individual has a fundamental right to continue a pregnancy and give birth or to have an abortion and to make decisions about how to exercise that right. And a fertilized egg, embryo or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of the state. And like, wow, I mean, that's the exact opposite. So Colorado is saying, hey, you know, abortion is going to be legal. One could interpret that right up to the millisecond before the fetus is delivered as a baby. So it's just amazing. A lot of action going on in the world of this of the topic of abortion. And again, I know I'm wading into dangerous waters here. I I remember when I first started this podcast, I said that I wasn't going to cover a lot of these sort of obvious wedge issues. But like I said, there's there's just been a lot of news on the topic. And I just kind of felt compelled to share my thoughts on this. And I'm going to kind of get into that here. But. What was interesting is one of my previous podcast guests, and some of you in my local community know him, his name's Charlie Sellers. You know, Charlie was a former um, trustee on the Poway Unified School Board. And he and I get together every once in a while. We'll go to Padre games. And, uh, you know, Charlie is is convinced that this uh, conservative-leaning Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, I I don't necessarily believe it. I understand why people are concerned. I understand why people are worried that, you know, because right now I think six of the judges have been appointed by Republicans and only three by Democrats. So Charlie, hardcore Democrat, and a lot of other Democrats are pretty concerned that the Supreme Court's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Again, I I have a hard time believing that. I mean, if Roe versus Wade was overturned, there would be massive protests in the street. I mean, it would be chaos. And there's now been a precedent that's been existed now for, what, 50 years. So 
I still have a hard time believing that's going to be true. But I think a lot of these states, what they're doing is they're they're jockeying for position. They're getting their ducks in a row so, so that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, then their state law will go into effect. Um, now, I know I just kind of give you a little bit of history on this issue from my own perspective. Um, you know, I was uh, I was born and raised up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I come down to college to UC San Diego and La Jolla, just a naive 17 year old, just, you know, just trying to figure out the world around me. And, you know, there's a lot of political things going on on campus. I mean, a lot of things that were way outside the scope of my reality. Um, and abortion was one of the hot topics. And I like I knew virtually nothing about this issue. And I learned about it. I learned both sides of the issue, the pro-choice side, the pro-life side. And then based on a lot of different factors, I kind of lined up as being pro-choice because it just made logical sense to me. Um, you know, it's your body, your choice. Um, and and that's really led – I would almost say that's the seminal issue – pardon the pun – the seminal issue – that has led me down this path of being such a hardcore believer in individual rights, in our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, is which, which is what this podcast is all about. Um, and in many ways, this notion of your body, your life, your choice, has really influenced me on a wide range of issues, um, really, whether it's you know, tax policy or school choice or, I mean, uh, the military draft or gay marriage. I mean, in a lot of ways, this was the seminal issue that began to frame my perspective. And so I always kind of pay attention when this kind of news is going on with abortion because it was sort of my my introduction into like a pretty hot political topic as a young man. Um, now, you hear people say, particularly, I think Bill and Hillary Clinton both said, we need abortion to be legal, but rare. And that kind of sounds like a sort of centrist position, right? It's, uh, it's you know, they're pro-choice. The, the Clinton family were pro-choice. And I think, if I recall, I have to go check some stats, I think about 70% of America would classify themselves as pro-choice. It actually might even be higher than that. Um, the ones that are that are pro-life or, or anti-choice, depending on how you frame it, those folks represent a small but very, very vocal minority. Well, Clinton, both Bill and Hillary, both said that they wanted abortion to be legal but rare. So in other words, you know, letting women have the choice, but hopefully they wouldn't need to go and have an abortion. And that kind of, like I said, sort of sounded very moderate, very middle of the road. And I think a lot of people believe that. But, you know, as I began to think more deeply about this, you know, I'm probably, well, not probably, I am even more pro-choice on this issue to a much greater degree than what the Clintons have talked about. You know, I talk about how this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what does that mean? You're an alienable right to your life. I mean, that means 
that you're in charge of your life, that you you are in charge of of you. I mean, you, you one could say you own you, but ownership is kind of a weird topic, a weird way to frame it. But essentially, your life is yours. And what you're going to do in your life, you're going to go out and build your career. You're going to build your life. You're going to build relationships. You're going to go out and ideally go out there and pursue your happiness, right? But if a woman gets pregnant for whatever reason, on purpose, by accident, I mean, whatever, if if the government prevents her from managing her own body, then they are really preventing her from managing her own life. Because I, I know for me as a parent, we have two children, having a child for for me was the most radical, most life-changing event I had ever experienced. I mean, marriage was a big deal, but having children, oh my God. What a radical change of your focus, a radical change of your approach to life, to your priorities. And if if a woman is, you know, for whatever reason, you know, she understands that having a child is going to have a massive effect on her life. It's going to affect her um, her financially. It's going to affect her career. It's going to limit her choices because she's obviously now going to have to prioritize her child. I mean, it's a radical change. And so that's why I've always felt that if if we believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then that woman deserves to have the liberty to manage her own life. So ultimately, she can pursue her own happiness. And to me, that just logically makes sense. So that's why when I see a lot of these bills being passed in all the different states, it's very concerning, you know, when women are effectively losing these inalienable rights that are guaranteed in the, in the excuse me, in the Declaration of Independence. Now, the governor of Colorado, I thought, got it right on the money. I mean, this guy, I th- at least from my own perspective, really got it right. And he said every individual, again, this is individual is a key word, individual rights. That inalienable rights are individual rights. These are rights that every single person has. Every individual has a fundamental right to make decisions about the individual's reproductive care, including the fundamental right to use or refuse contraception. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you have a fundamental right to your life, to manage your life. And so if you want to have access to contra, uh, contraceptive to use it or even refuse it, that's up to you. Um, the, the governor of, of Colorado went further and said, a pregnant individual has a fundamental right to continue a pregnancy and give birth or to have an abortion and to make decisions about how to exercise that right. Now, that means really then, you know, we can separate legality and morality. What that really means is, is that it's legal, but the morality of the issue is left on the shoulders of the woman to make that really important decision. 
And then he goes further to say, and, and this is kind of the clincher, that a fertilized egg or an embryo or a fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of the state. And I mean, this is really, this is really the core issue. And that is, is that some people believe that an embryo is a human life or, or is a human that is entitled to rights. Now, I'm a big supporter of individual rights. And to me, an egg, an embryo, uh, a fetus is not an individualized person. They're actually part of the woman's body, and therefore it's the woman who has actually the individual rights to manage her own body. Now, granted, I know a lot of people don't agree with that. Um, And again, I'm not trying to inflame an abortion debate. I mean, if you want to get into it, I'm I'm sure I can share my thoughts on this. Most likely, no one's going to change their mind on this issue. But I felt really compelled to bring it up because I talk about this podcast as being all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's like the higher purpose, the, the greater cause of what this podcast is about. And that's why when there's all this kind of you know, jockeying for position to set up all these state laws should Roe v. Wade be overturned, then, I mean, it's, it's worthy of commentary. Absolutely. And so I just want to put that on the table for you because I believe a woman has an inalienable right to her life and her liberty and her pursuit of happiness. And that decision to have an abortion is directly related to all three, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So um, crazy. Um, It's a crazy time. Now, is Charlie Sellers going to be right? Is the Supreme Court of the United States, are they going to overturn Roe v. Wade? You know, we got a new justice that's going to be appointed to the court shortly, but it's kind of a a trade-off of a a lefty versus with another lefty, right? So the lefties have three and the righties have six. But I still think that some of those um, Republican appointed judges on the Supreme Court, I'll bet you some of them will not vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. I think Gorsuch, I don't think will. There might be some others. Um, But it's a very interesting time. Um, especially as these states are jockeying for positions. So I just want to put that on the table. Let me know your thoughts. Chime in. We're doing a live stream on Facebook and on YouTube. So feel free to respond, share your messages with me. And let's move on to the next topic. And I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, if you're watching the live stream, you're noticing visually it looks a lot different. So I'm going to get into that in a minute. But but before I do... Um, You know, if you're interested in continuing the conversation, so what I would do is I'd invite you to to um, to visit my website. I have a special website called connectwithjohnny.com. If you go to connectwithjohnny.com, all of my social media uh, platforms are there. All of the places where you can listen or view this podcast are listed there. You know, because we're on Apple I, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, we're on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. All the links are there. But if you want to f- continue the conversation in Facebook or in Twitter or on YouTube, all the links are there too. 
So we invite you to continue the conversation there. Uh, go to connectwithjohnny.com. You can even get on our mailing list. And we send out periodic updates on things going on with the podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, again, I was just kind of nervous about talking about abortion because it's usually like one of those, what is it, like they say a third rail. You just don't go there because it's such a hot topic and people are so entrenched in their position. Again, I, I originally said when I started this podcast on episode one, I think I even mentioned that I'd probably never talk about some of these issues because it was almost pointless to talk about it. But I think it still deserved attention within the frame of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But okay, let's get on to the next topic. And okay, this is a little bit of a technical segment, a technical chapter of the podcast. I want to tell you a little about what I'm doing in my podcast studio. And if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, you can see there's a difference. Something's going on here. He's got more camera views. So here's the story. Here's the backgrounder. Um, and I, I, I'm going to do a a separate video that really breaks this down in detail. I'm just going to give some broad strokes here. When I started this podcast back in September of 2018, I got a, a video camera. It's called a Mevo, M-E-V-O, and it's a great camera. And if you remember in my early podcasts, um, I had uh, a lot of them with a lot of guests. And you would notice that uh, my old camera was able to look at a wide view, and then it was able to zoom in on me or zoom in on my guest. And it almost happened sort of automatically. Like there was like, – like I had a production crew behind the camera pushing buttons and changing cameras. But it was all automated. It was a fabulous camera. It still is. Um, but it, what, what it would do is – back then I was recording the video. And of course I always record the audio, which I later uh, upload to the podcast platforms. But I would record the video – and then I would add the, the front and end bumpers on the video, and then I would upload them to YouTube and Facebook. But then when we, hit, when we got into COVID, I really wanted to do a lot more live streaming because it was more interactive and I, we can get people involved. And I was really excited about that. And so what I did is I made an investment in a brand new camera. Okay. Pete kneeled on the live stream commenting, I'm here now. Time for the tech to screw up. Now, I think the tech's going to be really good if you're watching, Pete. So I made an investment in a new camera. I got a Sony A6400 camera. And I probably got this, it was in, I think, late 2019, but maybe it was more like 2020. And I have a guy that will help me from time to time with my video. His name's Zeke Kitchen. He's fabulous. Um, and I've since gotten him work with some of my clients. I mean, if you're looking for a guy to do audio and video recording and editing, I mean, this kid is fabulous. He's in his 20s. He's creative. He's a hustler. He really helped me. And so what I did is I got the, a, the Sony A6400 camera, which is like – you know, I can't remember how much I spent for it. It's a lot of money. It's almost $1,000 just for the camera without a lens. <laughs> and so what I, did, I got that, and then I got this Sigma lens, which you'll see when this thing is rotating through when I have the close-up. And it's actually a very nice lens. It kind of creates sort of a, a blurred background, a softer kind of focus on me. And it's a little more flattering, in my opinion. <laughs> Maybe one could say it shows some of my imperfections, but it's a lot more professional of a video to share with the audience. And so I was using that and I was, I've been doing 
my live streams that way. And it's been very, it's been great. And because I was live streaming originally on Zoom and then I started using StreamYard and that's the software platform I'm using now. It's called StreamYard. And StreamYard is great because I can live stream and I can multicast this to multiple platforms at the same time. See, that was hard to do with Zoom. I could live stream to YouTube or I could live stream to Facebook, but I couldn't do both at the same time in Zoom. StreamYard gives me that ability, but not just Facebook and YouTube. I can also live stream to a lot of other platforms like, um, uh, what was it? Periscope is another one that sometimes people use to get on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitch is another one. And I'm going to begin experimenting with those. I want to get onto some other platforms like Rumble, which looks like, the, like it'd be a YouTube competitor. A bunch of the right-wing people love, love Rumble. But I'm hoping that my StreamYard will give me that ability as well. So, uh, And the beauty of StreamYard is, is that here on my screen, I get a consolidated view of all the comments that are input into YouTube and into Facebook and from other platforms. They're all visible right here on my screen. And so I have the opportunity to read your comments on the air and feel free if you want to make a have a question or have a comment, type them in into the uh, comments on Facebook or YouTube and I'll see them right here. And yeah, here's one right here from from Pete Neal. And he says Periscope has an entirely different meaning to me. Yeah, of course, Pete, the uh, the submarine guy, of course, he's thinking differently when it comes to to Periscope. But Periscope's an interesting platform. So anyways, I had been doing this for a while with the one camera. And generally speaking, it had been working really well. But during COVID, I didn't have guests in-house, you know, because people didn't want to travel. And, and so everyone was using Zoom. And I, a lot of my guests were by, really by StreamYard. It was a remote connection. And this worked great. But when I had guests... It wasn't as I mean, the, the, I had great guests coming in on StreamYard remote, uh, you know, remote conversations, but they're never as good as when the guest is like sitting right here in this in the chair next to me, because then the conversation is a lot more intimate. You can kind of pick up on more body language. I think the end result is better for the viewer, better for the listener. And for me, it's more enjoyable. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about how in this podcast, I've met so many amazing people that have become good friends of mine, like just like Pete Neal here commenting here on the live stream. But that's because they came to my house and we sat here together in my podcast studio, which is essentially in my living room, a living room that we never use. So um, I had been doing that for a long time, but then Something happened. <laughs> oh, and by the way, just technically speaking, if you're interested, the the um, the Sony eight sixty four hundred camera has an HDMI out, and then the HDMI cable goes into it's called a capture card that essentially converts the HDMI to USB, and then I plug it into the USB of my computer. I have like a little laptop. If you can see, sometimes it's right in front of my screen. The, the plugs into it as a USB, so it actually functions as a webcam. That's why I can use a really nice camera like this Sony and use it as a webcam for StreamYard or for Zoom or what have you. Well, 
like I said, it was, it was great as we were going through the whole pandemic. Well, now as we're coming out the other side, we're a lot more comfortable. I mean, we're, we're vaccinated. I mean, I just had my, my second booster shot. I had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and then I got booster shot number one, which was the um, – what was it? It's not the Pfizer. Moderna. I got the Moderna booster in November prior to going on vacation in the UK in December. And then I just got booster number two last week, which, by the way, kicked my ass. I mean, I felt like crap for a few days because it's like, you know, this injecting you with the virus to a small degree. Um, I was achy and uh, just unpleasant headaches, body aches. Uh, but I only lasted 48 hours. I'm out the backside. I'm very happy. I'm, I got my second booster shot. But anyways, as we're more vaccinated, as we're, you know, a lot of people are wearing masks, but I think as we're learning, masks are really, in many ways, it's been overblown. I mean, masks certainly have their place when you're in an indoor setting with minimal ventilation, sure. But I think we've learned a lot through, as we've gone through the pandemic. So now I'm just a lot more comfortable bringing guests in. And we had our good friend Pete Neal came in here and he gave his big announcement, you know, his big announcement that he was not going to run for Poway City Council in District 1, but was instead going to endorse Hiram Soto. It was a great episode. We did that, a, gosh, it was last month sometime. But I needed a second camera to do that. And so what I did is I went out and I got my um, uh, my my Mevo camera which now has the software to function as a webcam. And so I figured, okay, this could probably work. And so I had the Mevo camera set up. That one was focused on my guest. And then I had the camera straight in front of me, which is the Sony a6400, and it was focused on me. And it was a perfect setup. In fact, right now, if you're seeing, you can see the camera right here to the, on the left side of the screen, right above my monitor. That's my camera number one. That's the Sony a6400. And by the way, I've got a second one off to the side that you can see. Well, now the thing just switched, which I'll talk about. So Pete was here. We had the, the Mevo going. But the Mevo is kind of a funky deal because you control it with an app on your phone. And so while we were in the middle of a live stream, the camera went out. It just dropped. And so it was honestly embarrassing. I mean, I'm trying to have a professional podcast here and the video dropped and I was scrambling. If you watch that episode, you saw that I was running around scrambling and, you know, Pete was a great sport. He hung in there with me and we switched seats for a time and everything. And then we, we did a whole other separate um, podcast. But what I did is I went back to my office and I got my little Brio webcam, which, by the way, the Logitech Brio webcam is fabulous. It's like best webcam I've ever used. But I have that in my, my office, in my man cave, in the other bedroom, which is where I do all my work, typically. Um, and I brought that out here, and we hooked that up, and that worked reasonably well. And so I thought to myself, okay, if I want to do this multi-camera deal – then I think I can pull this off. I just got to get a couple of these Brio webcams and plug them in. Well, it, that didn't work. <laughs> and you may have uh, noticed that we did one episode, one of my more recent podcast episodes, I had three cameras and I was able to switch between them using StreamYard, the platform I use to switch cameras. 
There's kind of a kooky way to do it, but it can be done. But the problem that I had was that when webcams take a ton of, of bandwidth, and if you have multiple USB webcams, you have inside your computer a thing called a USB controller. And it's, it's a, I assume it's a semiconductor that's mounted on the motherboard, or maybe it's a piece of software. I'm not sure if it's hardware or software, probably both. And that can handle a certain amount of bandwidth going through the USB system of the computer. When I was running three cameras at the same time, all three of them streaming data at the same time, I was overwhelming my computer. Now, on top of it, I didn't have all the ports to plug them in. So I was overwhelming also my USB hub because I had all of them go into a USB hub, which has six you know, USB ports, but I'm already using some of them for my wireless mouse and my wireless keyboard. And it was overwhelming it. And so the quality of the video had really suffered. And I was like, God, this isn't going to work. So what I did is I said, you know, some of these docking stations are really good, especially the ones that are Thunderbolt 3, because the, 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 uh, the bandwidth between the computer and the Thunderbolt 3 docking station could be as much as, I think, 40 gigabytes per second. And I thought, oh, this could be it. I can plug in all my webcams into the docking station. The, the Thunderbolt 3 docking station. And then I'm going to have maximum bandwidth into my computer. And yeah, I might be pushing my USB controller, but at least I'd be minimizing the, the bottleneck that I had with my USB hub. And I thought, well, let's try that. So I ordered that and I plugged everything in and it still didn't work right. It was overwhelming the USB port. And then on top of it, I talked to the technical support people for the, for the hub and they said, oh yeah, you know, we're really good at transmitting data like to monitors or to hard disks, but USB data, you really don't get that 40 gigabyte performance. You're still limited to I think five gigabytes per second. And I'm like, crap. So I just bought like a $300 Thunderbolt 3 docking station. So I said, well, none of this is going to work at all. I can't use webcams. I can't use the Logitech Brios. So I returned it all, you know, good on Amazon that I can go and just with a couple of clicks, I return them. And then I print out my, th- my, my paperwork and then I go to the Coles up in the Poway Scripps Parkway area where I can drop them off there for free. And they take back the return, transform my uh, payment, um, and I got reimbursed and I'm good. But I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do now? Well, then what I did is I discovered that there's this device called an ATEM Mini, which if you're looking right now on the camera, it's this device here with all these buttons that are lit up. And it's a video camera switcher. Now, it used to be not too long ago, only a few years ago, that a video camera switcher was stupid expensive, crazy expensive. I mean, Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for something like that. In fact, when I first started the podcast in 2018, I wanted to have multiple camera views. And I knew that the Mevo would be really good for that. And I originally thought, wouldn't it be great to have the switcher? But I didn't want to have to be pushing buttons all the time so I could focus on doing the podcast. So 
then I discovered this A10 Mini that was people were really raving about it. And this this device has four HDMI inputs. And I thought, okay, this works. My my Sony A6400 camera is HDMI, but I can't plug in any USB cameras into this. It's only H- HDMI. So all the webcams are out. So in order to make this work, I had to go get another another HDMI-capable camera. And so I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up my podcast studio so when I have a guest, I've got my camera right here straight in front of me, the Sony a6400, and it has a a Sigma 30-millimeter lens. Was it f1.4? I'm learning about all this technical stuff. And I said, I should just get another identical camera just like it. And then I'll set that one up that'll be directly focused on my guest. And they'll both be HDMI and they'll both go into the switcher. And then I can, you know, it won't be that hard. I can just click on a button when my guest talks and I can click on the button again when I talk. So I thought, okay, this is making sense. And everyone's loving this thing called this. And you can see it here. This It's a little box. It's smaller than a keyboard called the ATEM Mini. And I got the ATEM Mini Pro, which is like the middle version. You know, they always have the gold, the silver, and the bronze. I got the silver version, the middle one, not the low end, not the high end. And this thing's really cool. But then I said, well, I would like to have a third camera because if I have a guest here and I have one camera on me and I have one camera on my my guest, what am I going to do? Well, what I did is I went out and got a third camera and I got a GoPro because I had always wanted to get a GoPro. I thought they'd be kind of fun to have. And the GoPro, if you get this thing called a media mod, it has an HDMI out. And I was thinking, hey, this could work. And so I got a third camera and it's a GoPro and I have it set up on a mic stand, like up above, like behind my light fixtures. And right now on this view, you can see one camera on the left and one camera on the right. Those are camera one and camera two. And in the background, what you're looking at right now, well, now we're back to camera one, um, was my GoPro. And the GoPro is insane quality camera. And it's so little. I mean, it's like this big. And then when I put the, uh, I mean, it's like the size of a business card. And then when I got the, the media mod that goes around it, that gives me the HDMI out and it has like a, a microphone and a few other things. It's, it's not, it's not much bigger than a business card. It's like a, the size of a small flip phone back in the day. And the quality off this camera is insane. It's really good. So I got that. And I plug them all into this thing, this A10 Mini. And then the cool thing is, which you're noticing now, is that I can set up a macro on this A10 Mini, and it will just automatically switch cameras according to a program I set. So I've got them roughly rotating. I think it's like some on a 30-second break and some are on a 45-second break. And it kind of rotates around. But then what I can do is with that camera, camera two, when I have a guest, I can just move that tripod and have it focus right here to where my guest will sit. And then I could take my other camera, the GoPro, and I can move it wherever I want. I can have it up high. I can set it down low and I can get a wide view of me and my guest. 
So Pete Neeld on the live stream commenting that the GoPro is great for video, but it does not, not yet, load up the OBD2 output from your car. Yeah. So, you know, Pete, I know you do a lot of video on the road. Uh, I could just tell you, this is an amazing camera. And the cool thing about my GoPro is that, you know, I, I told you before, I'm in, I'm, I kind of created this group called Old Guys That Ride BMX. And we go out and ride bikes, um, you know, our old 20-inch BMX bikes that I used to race back when I was a teenager. Um, I, I wear a Bell helmet. And on the top of my helmet is a GoPro mount. And so then I'm going to be able to take that camera and I can multi-use it. It will be in my studio sometimes. And sometimes I'll take it out on the road and and video some of my my bike riding adventures and some other things. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I will say this, is that this phone that I have, um, you can see here, is a Sony, uh, not Sony, it's a Samsung Ultra S21. It's a great phone. And I recently cracked the lens. I dropped it uh, or cracked the, 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 uh, the glass, yeah, the glass screen. But the camera on, the, on this thing is great. I mean, I went with Pete. We went out to um, Pahrump and I videoed him riding his, driving his uh, Corvette out there um, on the Spring Mountain Speedway. I mean, we've got some great video footage with this, with this phone. But this phone, of course, you got to hold it and you got to like get it just right. But the great thing about the GoPro is you can mount it. And I'll be able to mount it on my bicycle helmet or if I want to mount it on my body. I know a lot of skydivers do that. I'm no skydiver. But anyways, I'm, I'm really fired up about this. I mean, so now I've, I think I've finally solved this. And this is a big reason why I haven't been doing podcasts for the last few weeks, because I just felt bad. I mean, when Pete was here, the video dropped out and I just don't want to do that to my guests. Um, and I wanted to make sure I got it right. So I think I've got it right. And by the way, this A10 Mini will handle a fourth camera if I want to go that distance. And it's got all kinds of other features in here, like picture in picture. And I mean, the tons of features that I don't even know if I'll even touch the surface. But I just like the fact that I've got a camera switcher with a couple of big buttons and I can hit camera one, camera two, camera three manually, like when I have a guest. Or then when I do a solo podcast like this, it just kind of auto rotates. So you don't get a boring looking at me straight in the face, you know, for a long period of time. This makes the video, I think, a little more easy to digest. And then when I have one of the cameras in the back, you can kind of see a little bit of behind the curtain of what the podcast studio is like. And I'll probably play around with that for some future episodes so you can see some of the stuff. But what I probably need to do is do a video with this camera on my phone and literally walk everyone through what I'm doing here. Because I know for some people, this is very interesting. Because um, maybe you've thought about doing a podcast, or maybe you're just an audiovisual techie nerd guy, <laughs> or maybe you have some, you're a specialist in this field and you have some interest, and maybe you're seeing things I'm doing you think can be improved on. So I'm going to uh, do that sometime here soon and talk about how I'm gathering the audio the equipment I'm using to capture the audio, to edit the audio, the equipment I'm using to do the video and how I'm pulling this all together. And everything is flowing through my laptop, which is like right here in front of the screen that I don't think is quite visible. But at any rate, 
That's what I'm doing. Um, so Pete Neal says, it's so good to have you out here with me on the bleeding edge of technology. Yeah, this is. I mean, this A10 Mini thing, I mean, this is great. I mean, I think this cost me 500 bucks. So I, I just I just spent like a lot of money. I, I bought a new camera. Oh, and by the way, when I went to get the, a, the, the second Sony A6400, my camera two, which is over here, I couldn't find the A6400 anywhere. They just weren't available because of the whole supply chain mess. So I was hunting and couldn't find it. I was considering getting a different Sony camera, but I really wanted to get a 6400. So they were both identical. And I eventually found a camera store in Point Loma that was selling it used. And they offered a modest warranty for it. And I figured, well, my choices aren't very good. So I went and bought the used camera and it's working great. So I got that camera there. That's my camera too. I got my camera one, which is straight in front of me, and I have my camera three up there on the GoPro, and it's all going through this video mixer. So this is the other cool part about doing the podcast is I learn how to do more things. Um, I, and it for me, as kind of a propeller head, that's fun. I'm learning new things. It's, sometimes it's frustrating because I try things and I fail, and thank God Amazon has a great return policy. Um but I know that a lot of these skills are really helpful. I don't know what's going to develop my career. And, you know, I own a marketing agency. So a lot of this stuff is easily transferable to that. I'm always trying to get my, my, my clients to do more video in their social media. I also encourage them to set up a podcast. They, they have trouble committing the resources to do it. Not necessarily the money, but just the people to do it. But I know that these skills that I'm building are going to be helpful for me in my future. And especially, you know, I think this is good career advice for anyone. You need to constantly be learning and constantly be growing. And this is just one of the things that I've been doing. So this podcast, I again, I can't, I cannot say how, I mean, it, it's, I can't put in words how impactful this podcast has been in my life. I mean, I've met great people that have been guests that have turned into friends, other guests coming back multiple times. Um, I have learned new things with the technology. I feel kind of empowered. I get to have a platform to share my thoughts and comments. To me, that's very energizing, empowering for me. Um so it's cool. I mean, it's just kind of cool. And you know, granted, I'm not Joe Rogan. I don't have a gazillion listeners, but, you know, trying to build it is kind of a project. That's why it's called the John Riley Project. And so I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm having fun with it. So that's what's going on with this whole podcasting. And then, by the way, I have um, podcast episodes that I've been with guests that I've been putting on hold until I could get this video right. So this is the first podcast with the new video. And so Pete Murray um, who has been a guest on the podcast multiple times before, he's running for judge again. And he's an amazing guy. He lives down the street from me. So Pete Murray is going to come back in the podcast studio. I've, now that I've successfully done this with a live stream, now I'll book him. Uh, I wanted to do it a few weeks ago, but I wasn't ready. Um, and then Catherine Cloward is going to come back in. You know, Catherine is a musician and an author and an entrepreneur. Remember, she wrote the book, about Father Joe, the hustler priest. She was kind enough to get Father Joe on the John Riley Project just a few months before he passed. Rest in peace. 
Father Joe, an amazing guy. But Catherine Cloward, an incredible, incredible lady, just producing children's books, children's music, and also has her own persona as an adult rock star that performs at the Belly Up and a lot of other clubs, um, writing articles in Guitar, Guitar Girl magazine. This woman's amazing. So she's going to come back. She's been a guest on my podcast, I think, three, three times, maybe four. Uh, so she'll come in studio now that we got the cameras all set up. And, um, and then <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I mean, I think, I'm, I think Lee Hacksaw Hamilton might be a guest on my podcast. I'm going to get to that story in a minute. Um, but he tentatively said yes. I don't know if he'll be in the studio. We may have to do it over Zoom. But this is just so awesome. Okay. So um, what, is, what is Pete saying here now? Next time I'm on... Oh, yeah, when you're on the podcast, Pete, I'll bring my 360-degree camera, and we'll see if it allows 360-degree viewing on YouTube Live. Well, it will. It depends where we mount the camera, Pete. I mean, we can't really put it on a tripod outside of the lights where it is right now, my GoPro, because then half the time it'll be in front of the camera, and half it's in front of the lights, and half the time behind the lights. So we can't have that. Now, when you know it, I'm in the middle of a live stream. My front doorbell just rang. Who in the hell is it? I have no idea. I'm not going to get it because I value my time with you. I don't know who he is. But someone's at my door right now. It's kind of weird. Um, my landscapers were here a few hours. It might be them. I'm not sure. Okay. So um, how are we doing? 54 minutes. Um, I have. I want to talk about free speech. I wanted to talk about Padres and Hacksaw. Um I might be able to get into some of that before we wrap up this episode. But, you know, what I encourage you to do in the meantime, go to my website, go to johnreillyproject.com, johnreillyproject.com. That's the website for this podcast. I have all the episodes are up there. All the video content is available at johnreillyproject.com. You can also, you know, see all the video on YouTube, but all the links are there. I have blog articles. You can sign up on our mailing list. A lot of different resources there. If you want to participate, be involved in the project, I welcome you to go visit johnreillyproject.com. Okay. Let's get into free speech. <laughs> yeah, Pete Neal, let's get to free speech. Here we go. All right. So uh, there is some really interesting conversation here in my hometown of Poway. I live in Poway, California, the city and the country. Zip code 92064. Great place to live. Um, we've lived here since 1996. Great place to raise a family. Um, you know, Poway is growing a lot. There's a lot going on in Poway right now. We, we've interviewed so many of the political candidates here in Poway. In fact, in the 2018 cycle, I think we had two thirds of the candidates that were running for either school board, city council or mayor came into the John Riley Project podcast studio in my living room. And we did an episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, and in 2020, we did similar, but it was COVID and it was remote. It was a little more awkward. I'm hoping in 2022, we do the same. And Pete Murray will hopefully be my first guest because he's a candidate for judge. But so we get into a lot of you know political content here. And we've talked a lot about the Poway protesters. You've seen them on Sundays. They're out on the corner of Twin Peaks and Pomerado. And that's kind of right in the middle of Poway or sort of in the middle of Poway. And 
you know, originally this street corner back, you know, gosh, 20 years ago, a, a bunch of our left lefty friends, our Democrat friends would show up there protesting George W. Bush and the Iraq war. And I would drive by them and I'd roll my window down, I'd honk and I'd give them a big thumbs up because the Iraq war was a big load of BS and I was no fan of George W. Bush. And so I was really happy to support them. And they were out there and then uh, it was just on one of the corners, you know, the corner by Jersey Mike's. And there were like about eight of them and it was a pretty modest group. And they were, um, you know, I think it was like even like the local Democratic club was somehow involved. Then Obama's president and they disappeared, even though Obama extended the Iraq war, expanded the Afghan war, expanded the drone war. Suddenly all my lefty friends disappeared from the street corner, which disappointed me. But then 2016 hit, right? And, and Trump was running for president and they all showed up again. And more people. And they're all against Trump. And they had that one street corner and it was going pretty good. And then all of a sudden, the Trump people started showing up at the other street corner. And they had this kind of back and forth thing going on. It was really interesting driving through there. In fact, we did a couple of episodes about the Poway protesters. And I interviewed the Trump people and then the other group. They weren't necessarily um, – who was the Democratic – oh, they weren't Hillary necessarily Hillary Clinton people, but they were anti-Trump. So I interviewed both sides. We had some good podcast conversations there. But then what happened is, is that the Trump's people kept growing and growing. And suddenly they took up two street corners and the anti-Trump were on one. And then eventually they took up all three straight street corners and on Sundays. And the, 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 the lefties were only there from like 11 to 12. But the righties, the Trump MAGA people, they would show up at 10 and they'd stay there all darn day till like three or four in the afternoon. And it got to a point where like, you know, the, 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 the anti-Trump people stopped showing up. And now the Trump people have taken over the whole intersection and you go by there and they're holding signs and, and they're, they got one dude, it's on an electronic megaphone. You mean, when you first are driving through there, you think someone's got their talk radio station on too loud. But this guy is, you know, saying all kinds of stuff, you know, in support of Trump and the MAGA movement and the right wing politics, a lot of the typical right wing talking points. And you're like, oh, my God. And then there's all kinds of signs they bring. And it's a very active group. And, you know, they're generally well behaved. I know there was some incidents where there was fisticuffs between the lefties and the righties. But now the lefties are gone. So the righties have taken over the whole darn intersection. Well, what was brought up on one of our Facebook groups here in Poway was in South and North Poway votes. The woman that runs that uh, Poway group, her name is Chris Cruz. You know, she's a local community activist. And she was saying, hey, man, you know, we got this sign ordinance in Poway. You know, that if you're holding signs, you could hold it you know, like you're the, the, the sign twirler, you know, for progressive insurance or for sports clips. You can hold a sign and spin it, but you can't plunk your sign into the ground in the right-of-way area, which is like right off the sidewalk. And that is a rule in Poway. In fact, they passed that rule shortly after the 2014 election, when the one that I ran in when we had all signs all over town. And a lot of people hated the clutter and the city council passed a new sign ordinance that really m makes the permitting for signs extra difficult, especially political signs. 
And, you know, I, that always rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, it was like, this is like free speech. You know, what's the whole idea? Government's not supposed to suppress speech. And frankly, in local elections, the people passing the law are essentially suppressing, you know, challengers and limiting their ability to campaign. I mean, the sign ordinance in my hometown of Poway is like great for incumbents, not so good for challengers. So what Chris Cruz noticed and some of the people in her group noticed is that, hey, they're not enforcing the sign ordinance with all these Trump people on the corner of Twin Peaks and Palmerado Road. And she's right. Uh, the city was not consistently enforcing the code. And so she went and talked to the city person and he admitted, yeah, we need to do that. But God, we know we need to, I feel like I need to have police support when I do it. So that it doesn't turn into a, you know, into a, some kind of a difficult situation or a violent situation. They kind of felt scared to do it. Some people have suspected that, you know, our city council is all Republicans. As far as I know, maybe they support them. I think that's a bit of a stretch to suggest that. But I think in a lot of ways that this, these Trump protesters on the corner are just so loud, so energized, so begging for a fight that a lot of people are like, ah, I don't really want to like approach them. You know, they're fine driving through the intersection and leaning out the, their car window and flipping them off. But frankly, the Trump supporters, they love that. They want the attention. And so I know a lot of people have been scared to approach them and say, hey, man, what you're doing is not legal. And it's right. I mean, some of the signs that they post there are, according to the sign ordinance, are not legal. And, and, the, and, the, and the ordinance is not being consistently enforced. And so I made a comment in this group and I said, you know what? Free speech should not require permission. I mean, essentially, there shouldn't be a sign ordinance like this in the first place. Um, because of the sign ordinance, you have to go get permits and different things to do some of these things. And you're just on a street corner expressing your First Amendment rights. You shouldn't have to get a permit to exercise your free speech rights. I mean, that's the whole point of free speech is that you should be able to say unpopular things and you don't need to get permission from the government. In fact, a lot of times free speech is to be critical of the government, not go beg and bend a knee to get permission to, 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 to express yourself. So this invited a whole slew of conversation because in a lot of ways, people conflate many issues on free speech into one. So like I said, I, I, I think free speech should not require permission, should we not require a permit. But then other people are saying, well, they got signs, you know, they got these big signs and they're holding them and they're blocking your right of way. You can't see on the road. It's not safe. Or maybe they're in the streets. Now, granted, these uh, these Trump protesters, they're not in the streets blocking traffic. Thank goodness. We've had some of that in Poway, especially in the heat of the whole Black Lives Matter thing. We saw some of that with the truckers, remember the Canadian truckers and their blockage of the bridge between um, Ontario and Detroit. You know, the is it Windsor, Ontario? I think that's the city uh, between Canada and the United States. They blocked that bridge. They blocked streets. And I said, that's wrong. You know, I don't care what your message is. 
you can't block the liberty of other people to have free movement. But people conflate the two. They say, well, we can't have people holding up signs, distracting drivers, blocking views. Therefore, we need a permit. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. You should only you should be able to have a sign on a street corner, and if you have something that is obstructing views, then you should be challenged for that, and the police should go in and enforce that if they're creating a hazard or creating a dangerous intersection, or if they're on an electronic megaphone and they're creating a disturbance with excessive noise that's going into people's homes. Well, that should be pro. That should be. Uh, Enforced, not free speech, <laughs> not the speech itself. Um, then, uh, you know, there are other people that they frankly, they just don't like the Trump supporters. They don't like their message. They don't like what they're all about. They don't like those, you know, quote unquote, those people. They don't like what they're saying. They don't like what they believe in. And so on that basis, they want them to go away. So when they say, oh, they're violating the sign ordinance, good, get rid of them. There's a lot of people that believe that too. But I think it's important to understand that, and again, I'm an absolutist when it comes to free speech. Congress shall make no law that abridges our our freedom of speech or freedom of the press. Government should not thwart freedom of speech. Again, I'm an absolutist on that. At the same time, the person that is doing that speech is responsible for the consequences of the speech. The speech itself is free, but the consequences of the speech are an entirely different issue. If the speech results in blocking of traffic and, and lessening of movement, that's a problem. Not free speech, the blocking of traffic. If the person's free speech turns into giant signs that obstruct views and creates a dangerous situation on a street corner, that's the problem. Not the speech, but the blockage of, of views. And using you know, the classic line, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, which, by the way, is, was never a law in the first place, and that Supreme Court case was really about trying to suppress um, political speech. Was it in relation to a war? I can't remember the circumstances, but um, Oliver Wendell Holmes, I think, was the Supreme Court justice. And he said, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater as an analogy, not as the actual law. But that particular case that they were ruling on for the Supreme Court, that case was actually overturned by a later Supreme Court, which now going back to Roe v. Wade, that might get overturned too. But at any rate, in my opinion, you can yell fire in a crowded theater. Absolutely. But if no one moves, <laughs> if people look at you and say, ah, BS, and they all stay in their seats and nothing happens, then no one, no one should be prosecuted for that. But if you yell fire in a crowded theater and it results in a stampede and it turns into like the Who concert in Cincinnati in 1980 where people lose their lives because they get stampled and trampled underfoot to quote Led Zeppelin, well, then that's the problem, not the speech itself. And again, I think people 
conflate these as one. Pete Neal says, a good deal of Benjamin Franklin's free speech was written. Well, yeah. Remember, free Benjamin Franklin was a printer. You know, this is the early days of printing, and, and uh, he was able to get his message out. But now in the world of the internet, <laughs> podcasting, we can broadcast our speech in a lot of different ways. So, you know, going back to these Poway protesters, which are now all MAGA people, you know, I absolutely do not support what they say, but I will defend their right to say it every time. Um, I, I drive through that, that, that intersection. And sometimes I just want to get out and challenge them, but I'm driving through. I don't really want to stop. And I know they're all itching for a fight. They, some of the things that they say there are ridiculous. Like, you know, they'll hold a sign that says freedom. And then right next to it, they'll talk about building a wall on the Southern border, (laughs) which essentially means to block the freedom of, of, of immigrants into America. You know, then those immigrants have inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, too. It's not just for Americans, not just for white people. It's for everybody. Everybody has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the people that claim to be for freedom are the same people that want to build a wall and and want to deport Muslims, and we can go on and on. So there's so, so much contradiction. So when I drive through that intersection, I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with the message, but I love that they're out there. Now, granted, they are, some of them are pretty annoying, so I don't love the annoyance, but I love the fact that they're active, you know, and they want to get out there and spread their message. And there's some enthusiasm, you know, that they all share some camaraderie. I think it's cool in a way. Now, I wish more people were like that, you know, where we saw a little bit more of this um, and not necessarily political, but expressing speech in a lot of other ways. Um, you know, I think it's ultimately a healthy thing. Now, it is weird that it's, you know, it's a local thing in Poway, but they're talking more about national issues. I like to see more people on the, uh, some protesters talking about local things. And I know that was one of the things that Chris Cruz talked about, that there were um, people that were supporting the recall of Mayor Steve Voss when they were trying to get the signature drive, which, by the way, failed. And they were holding signs or had signs, and then they found that the Poway sign ordinance was enforced against them, but it's not enforced against these Trump MAGA people at Pomerado and Twin Peaks. And that's a fair, that's a fair criticism. It has been inconsistently been enforced, but I'll say this. um, Like I said, there, I support their right to say it. I don't agree with the message at all. And the sign ordinance in our city, in my opinion, is a bunch of baloney. Um, because the sign ordinance is thwarting free speech and the sign ordinance harms challengers to our local city council. It is a way, you know, not a huge way, but a, a way to, you know, to prevent incumbents, I'm sorry, to prevent challengers from having success. So at any rate. What else we got here? Pete Neal goes on to say, written or spoken free speech is essential, such as the author or speaker is heard. And no, you don't have to agree, but you should listen. Well, you don't have to listen. They should be able to express themselves. 
as long as they do it peacefully, as long as they don't limit the rights of other people, as long as they don't harm other people, they should be able to, to, to speak and, and maybe to be heard if, if you choose to listen. But yeah, we don't, we, you know, maybe you should, if you want to listen, then listen. But you don't, I don't think, I, I'll disagree with you on that angle of it, Pete. Um, all right. So where are we here? Um, I'm going to, I got one more topic to get into and it's a little bit short. Uh, but before we get there, you know, we're talking about Poway. Here's a website I'd encourage you to go visit. Go to PowayIsAwesome.com. PowayIsAwesome.com. You go on that, on that website, you can download pictures of the city of Poway that are perfectly sized to be the wallpaper background for your desktop monitor or your tablet or your mobile device, your, your phone. And there's pictures of Lake Poway, of old Poway Park, and a lot of other parts of Poway, Iron Mountain, that are all available to you. You just got to sign up, you download it, and you get for free um, these photos that are perfectly sized to be a wallpaper for your phone, for your tablet, or for your desktop computer. Go to powayisawesome.com to check that out. Okay. um, (laughs) All right. So this is the last issue. And it's one fifteen, so we'll probably go for about another five ten minutes. Um, okay, Pete kneeled on the live stream, and Pete, thanks for participating in the live stream. Everyone's welcome to participate in the live stream. Just type your comments in on Facebook or on YouTube. I'll read them on the air. Pete says, "Okay, you're right. You don't have to listen unless you're going to represent the populace. In that case, you should listen. Yeah, if you're a candidate." You know, Pete, you were a candidate. Uh, Hiram Soto is a candidate. He's actually having his listening tour, which I know Pete and I both thought that was a great idea. If you're a candidate, yeah, you should listen. If you're driving through the intersection and that guy with the electronic megaphone is saying stuff, you don't need to listen to that. Frankly, I, that, in my opinion, should be enforced because that is creating a disturbance for the homes in the area and the businesses that are right there. I'm surprised they are able to get away with that. That should be enforceable. If the guy wants to say all he wants without the amplified sound, that, that should be fine. Okay, let's move on. By the way, if you're listening or watching, if you like what we're doing, you know, give the episode a thumbs up. If you really like it, you know, give it the, the little heart button on Facebook or on YouTube. Um, that's helpful. Um, not that I'm begging for attention, but the more positive reactions we get, the more positive comments, the more likes, well, that ends up helping in the algorithm and it kind of helps get greater viewership for what we're trying to do. So if you're so inclined, that'd be really helpful. All right. Okay. So now I got to tell you the most amazing thing happened to me over the weekend. Actually happened last week. Now, remember I told you I met so many amazing people in this podcast And I did a podcast episode in the spring of 2019 that was all about the Mighty 1090. Now, you remember that was a radio station and it was sports talk radio. And in the spring of of 2019, they shut it down. Um, And this sports station had a long history. You know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, it was the Mighty 690. It was one of the first all sports talk radio stations. In fact, I think it was the second one in America after WFAN in New York City. 
And the anchor host there was Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And when I did my podcast episode back in the spring of 2019, I traced the whole history of the Mighty 690 and the Mighty 1090 because I'm a big sports fan and I always love those two stations. And in the pre-internet days, man, I would, I just, that's all I listened to. I mean, even back in the 90s, I had season tickets to the Chargers and I mean, and I'm a huge baseball Padres guy. So I've always loved those guys. And I kind of developed a relationship with a lot of those people on the radio. You know, it was like Steve Hartman and Chet Forty, Jim Rome. Um, who else has been on that show? John Cantera. Um, and then even on some of the other shows that weren't necessarily part of that 1090 family, like Dave and Jeff, they have their own podcast, which is great. Uh, covers a lot of local sports stuff. So I did this episode in the spring of 2019. And actually, that episode consistently gets likes and views, even now, three years later. Now, interestingly, a couple of years ago, they resurrected the 1090 from the dead, and now they've built it up again. And Scott Kaplan is actually broadcasting on 1090. You know, Scott Kaplan and Billy Ray Smith were on 1090 before. Excuse me. Well, at any rate... uh, I posted that podcast like three years ago. It consistently gets views and comments, and a lot of people loved it. I mean, you know, walking down, you know, use hacksaw terminology, walk down memory lane, you know, uh, of all the things going on in the world of sports. And so a lot of people enjoyed it. Well, I got a message um, on my uh, John Riley Project Facebook Messenger group um, from a gentleman named Jerry Donadio, I think is how you say his name, Donadio. And he said, hey, I saw your podcast about the Mighty 1090. It was great. It was, it was amazing. He said, I know you talked about Hacksaw. He goes, I can help. You know, you want to meet Hacksaw. I can arrange it. I said, you got to be kidding me. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, this guy can help me meet him? And he's like, yeah. He goes, hey, you want to get together with a breakfast, a breakfast, a lunch or something like that? Sure. And I always knew that Hacksaw lived in the area. He lived in Rancho Bernardo because he used to go into Mama Cella's in Rancho Bernardo. My daughter used to work there and Hacksaw would come in for lunch. He'd have a meatball sandwich with Parmesan cheese. Uh, <laughs> and she came home one time. She goes, Dad, you'll never guess who was in Mama Cella's. It was Hacksaw. You know, and Hacksaw is a, I mean, he's like, in the world of sports talk radio, especially Southern California, everyone knows who Hacksaw is. And he's got a unique look that when you see him, it's you know it's Hacksaw. Well, Jerry set me up and I had breakfast on Saturday morning with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton at the IHOP in Rancho Bernardo. And it was awesome. I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, like a bucket list thing, you know, in your life. This is a guy I've listened to on the radio for 20 years. And his ups and downs and and everything that's gone on in his career, it's been very interesting. He was the play-by-play guy for the Chargers. He later went on to become play-by-play for the Seahawks and the Vikings. And he has a history before coming to San Diego at KTAR in Phoenix. And he was also a a hockey play-by-play guy out in, um, in Cleveland. So an incredible history as a sports talk guy. Well, I mean, literally one of the pioneers in sports talk radio. And here I am. I'm sitting across the table with him at IHOP at RB. And he's just sharing stories with me about his career and these great things that he did. And then some of the challenges he had, you know, because the radio industry is so darn volatile. You know, there's changes in ownership, 
changes in format, changes in management. One day you're a sports station and then they decide, nope, we're dropping sports and now we're going to be, you know, a, a Latina, a Latino music station. You know, it can change radically like that. And these people can suddenly find themselves out of work, out of a job on the street. So he was telling me all these stories and it was it was awesome. I mean, this guy is like a piece of history. I mean, important history in, in sports radio, especially in San Diego. And then, you know, about 30 minutes later, Jerry showed up and Jerry used to be the vice president of sales at 1090. So that's how his connection with Hacksaw is. And, and he's a longtime like radio advertising sales guy. And so he had his own interesting stories to share about the industry. And I was there at IHOP and RB for three hours on Saturday morning. And it was friggin' awesome. So, um, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to share some of the stories here because I asked Hacksaw if he would be a guest on the podcast. And he said he would. But he said, you know, send me some information. He goes, what do I got to do? I got to come into your place. How can I do it on Zoom? And I said, I can do it either way, but I prefer you come in. And he goes, no, I'm going to probably just do it on Zoom. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to try to set that up. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I hope it does. But if if I can have a replication of the conversation I had with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton over a plate of pancakes because Hacksaw loves pancakes. <laughs> and if we could have just that conversation again, it was insane. It was awesome. And I think a lot of sports fans would love it. So uh, I'm going to try to set that up. So that's, again, it's incredible the things that this it, it happened in this podcast. The people I meet, the people that approach me. You know, when I did that 1090 episode, you know, I got the feedback from a lot of fans. But then, you know, Dave and Jeff, who I talked about, they were never on 690 or 1090. They were always on KFMB or uh, 1360 when they had a state. Well, they still do, but they were on 1360 for a while. But Dave and Jeff have a great podcast now. And I mentioned them in that podcast. And then I got approached by Jeff Dotsev, who was also on Facebook Messenger. And he said, hey, John, thanks for doing that episode. And I really appreciate, you know, the, the nice things you said about us. I'm like, oh, my God. So, you know, here I am. I'm just a dude in my living room. Now you guys got a little bit more of a view of it here with all this camera stuff I'm doing. But it's kind of cool to meet you meet these people. And yeah, so hung out with Hacksaw. You know, it was funny as I, I saw Hacksaw on TV that morning at 620 because he did a bit on KUSI on Saturday morning. Then I met him at 815 and then he had to leave at about 915 because I think at 950 he was back on KUSI again. So he had left and then Jerry and I kept talking for another hour or so. Um, but wow. So what an awesome experience. So, you know, what was I doing this weekend? Um, hacksaw, big highlight, huge highlight, but I was also, I don't know if you've been watching Padres, man, back on, you know, we're going here, we're starting a new season and I'm a big Padre fan. In fact, I got, I'm going to be going to the game. Uh, you and the Dodgers come into town. I'm going on Friday with one of my clients. And then on Saturday, I'm going with the fine wife. You know, our children bought us tickets, Actually, the tickets in the opening uh, series that ended up getting canceled. Um, it was the opening series with the Giants. And then they ended up getting us replacement seats at the Dodger game. So we're going to go, I think that's in two weekends. So we're gonna, I'm going to do Friday night with my, my 
client and then Saturday night with with the fine wife. So it's going to be a great weekend too. But we spent you know a great deal of the weekend watching the Padres. They went three and one to start the season. They really should have been four and zero with that, with the exception of that implosion in the bottom or the yeah the bottom of the ninth inning on Thursday night. It was just you know the worst possible situation there. Uh, but it was nice to see them recover. But I'm just energized. You know, it's this new season. Sean Maneo, they got in a trade and he looks to be fabulous. In fact, it was funny as I was, I was out with my wife and my mother. We went to breakfast at Swami's in Escondido. You ever been there? Um, it's like, is it Grand Avenue and Center City Parkway? There used to be a Swami's in Poway, but there's a Swami's there in Escondido, great breakfast place. And there's a wait to get in. Anyways, as we were leaving and I'm wearing my Padre hat, I see a guy coming in with a Padre shirt and a Padre hat. And I go, hey, go Padres. And he looks at me, he goes, hey, they just made a trade for Sean Manea. And this was like 30 minutes after it had happened. So we got to see Sean Manea pitch. He's been great. You Darvish was great. The combined, the two of them had 13 no-hit innings in the first two games. I mean, fabulous. And then... Um, Musgrove was solid. Um, and then yesterday, you know, Snell got scratched, but uh, Jerks and Profar had a grand slam. And uh, the new guy, Jorge Alfredo, uh, um, Alfaro, pardon me, had a home run. And we had, they made the trade. They got, they traded Paddock and Pagan. And they ended up getting, um, is it Taylor Rogers, right? Not Tyler Rogers. He's on the Giants. They got Taylor Rogers and then a minor leaguer for them. And Taylor Rogers closed out two of the games. I mean, it was awesome. So tonight they're playing at 645 against the Giants, which was my childhood team. Um, I was a, as loyal of a Giants fans as there ever was from the time I was born, because it was baked into my drinking water at home that you were a Giants and a 49ers and Warriors fan back when I was a kid. Uh, but then when I came down here to San Diego, eventually I flipped. And I, I think probably around 1990, I switched and made Padres my one and the Giants my two. And they're playing together tonight. So that's going to be great. I was talking to my buddy up in San Francisco today. He says it's cold and windy. So it's going to be kind of a crazy game tonight. But um just it's 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 a great time, man, in San Diego. So we, they got a good team. They were disappointing last year, but so far it's looking pretty good. Now, yesterday, you know, Blake Snell got scratched, but now there's talk that maybe he goes in the DL. Maybe they bring up Mackenzie Gore, that the the pitching phenom, the number one draft pick, who was tearing it up in the minors and then suddenly couldn't throw a strike for two years. And they rebuilt him, and he was amazing in spring training. He's been amazing in AAA. There's talk now, putting Snell on the DL. Maybe Mackenzie Gore comes up. That'll be exciting. So I'm excited about the Padres. They got to make another move, though, right? Like if you watched the game last night, remember they were up, or yesterday, they were up 10 nothing, Then it was 10-1 or 10-2. And then they brought in Javi Guerra to pitch the ninth inning, and he gave up like four runs. Uh his time with the Padres, I think, is nearing an end. Javi Guerra, of course, was a shortstop that we got in the trade from Boston for Craig Kimbrell. He came over with Margot and I think Logan Allen and Carlos Asuay. Uh, Javi Guerra was a shortstop that was a great defender, had an amazing arm, but he couldn't hit. And so they eventually took advantage of the amazing arm, converted him to a pitcher. And they've been working with him. But due to the circumstances of the way they've been managing his career, he cannot be sent back to the minors. Otherwise he has to 
be waived and he could be picked up by any team. So the Padres have been kind of holding him and kind of sticking him in the back of the bullpen, using him, you know, kind of in garbage time when they have a big lead or they have a big deficit and they just kind of want to get through the end of the game. But he's just failing to get people out. He's he's walking too many people. I think his days are numbered. So, you know, there's a couple other people coming up. Mike Clevenger is going to have a, a minor league start and he'll probably be coming up soon. And then Luis Garcia, the other reliever they got. So right now the Padre pitching is looking fantastic. The hitting has been, you know, started slow, but, you know, they scored 10 runs on Sunday. So the hitting is coming together and they don't have Tatis. They won't have him until June or July. And when he comes back, I think they'll be in much better shape. But between now and then, if they can just kind of hold it together, and they already have a really good lineup, even without Tatis. I think this team's going to be all right. And hopefully, once and for all, we can overcome the San Diego sports curse. So I'm, I'm just thrilled. I'm always excited at this time of the year. You know, I've always often said March and October are my two favorite sports months. March because of March Madness and all the college basketball, and then Baseball starting and spring training. And then October, you know, because that's baseball playoffs, football is kind of kicking into high gear. And then um, we're getting organized to start college football or college baseball. No, wait a minute, college basketball. So, anyways, those are my two favorite sports months. And, you know, April is kind of an extension of March, right? So, all good. Um, so, I'm just, I'm just really thrilled about the Padres. Okay. Um, Wow, it's an hour and a half. So we're kind of done here. There, there's a whole bunch of other things I want to get to because now that I've got my cameras working, I'm going to have a lot more podcast episodes. I want to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. I want to talk a little bit more about gas prices and electric vehicles and solar and some of the new ordinances the government is demanding of the auto industry to have 40 mile per gallon cars. I want to have an episode about that. Um, I want to talk about a great experience I had a weekend ago, kind of reconnecting in a 40-year anniversary of my fraternity at UCSD and reconnecting with a lot of great people. Part of that weekend, we went out on a on a um, harbor cruise, and I got to see a lot of interesting parts of San Diego Bay that I normally never see because I'm never on the harbor. Um, and that was awesome. I want to share my experience there. Um, and I also want to tell you a lot about a lot of the things I've been watching, a lot of the things I'm streaming. Like right now, I'm... I'm uh, grinding through, kind of binging through season five of Better Call Saul uh, because season six is going to start on Monday. And that'll be once a week on AMC. Um, I want to share some commentary on season five. Um, and then uh, I also recently finished the show Borgia. And you know, there's two Borgia shows. There was one done um, by Canal and another one done, I think, by the BBC. And I watched the Canal one a number of years ago, and I just watched the BBC version um, just a week ago. And I want to share my thoughts and comments on that as well, because there's really fascinating, interesting information there about history and religion and mysticism and hypocrisy and uh, all kinds of great things to talk about. So that'll be a future podcast and yeah, and the Better Call Saul stuff, there's talk there. They have episodes there about property rights, which I like to talk about here in the podcast, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Property rights are a big part of that. So we'll talk about 
a lot of that in some future episodes. And I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, there's so much to do. I've had all this pent up desire. And then I think, well, if I just get my cameras organized, I can then comment on some of these things. But a lot of them have passed. I wanted to talk about Biden's speech that he gave in Poland talking about Putin and the Ukrainian war. That was a really good speech until the very end. That would be a fun one to break down. But that was like, what, three or four weeks ago. So I don't know if too much time has passed. I mean, if there's interest in it, I'll go through it. But um, there's so much I want to cover. Uh, Matthew Brannigan on the live stream says, oh, yes, hopefully Elon has a positive effect on Twitter. Looking forward to that one. And yeah, that's kind of the direction I see it going. But there's a lot to talk about there. A lot more with free speech, a lot more with billionaires, a lot more with technology. Um, you know, there's a lot in, in that topic of Elon Musk and Twitter. So we'll break that one down in a future episode. So, so here's the deal. Um, I'm back in business. I've got my cameras working. So now I'm going to schedule my guests and I'm going to schedule Pete Murray. He's running for he's running for judge. He was a candidate for judge two years ago and just barely came up short. He's a candidate again, and he looks to be a potential favorite in this election. So love to have him back in the podcast studio, Pete Murray. Then we'll have Catherine Cloward back in here again because she's got some new information to share, some new new music coming out. And there's a lot more going on in her world that she wants to share. She's always a very inspiring guest as an entrepreneur, as a musician, and that deep, close relationship with Father Joe. And there's a lot of stories there. So hopefully she'll join us. Um, I've got to follow up with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton to see if he can come in and join us, hopefully in person, if not by Zoom, and we can take a walk down memory lane. You know, Poway, Penasquitos, get those lines lit. Hacksaw will come in and put some topics on the table. And we'll talk about San Diego sports, San Diego sports talk media. I'm hopeful I can schedule that. Hacksaw said he would, but, you know, you know, he might have been just been nice to me as he was departing and shook my hand. But I'm hopeful we can get him on the podcast episode. And then I'm looking forward to having more guests. The COVID is behind us, mostly mostly behind us, but we're at a point now where we can have guests in studio. I'd love to have them here at the John Riley Project podcast studio here in my living room. And I've got my new cameras. I can set them up and we can have a great conversation. And for if you watching live, you can join us in the live stream or you can watch or listen to the recorded version. And it's all good. It's all good. So um, with that, I leave you. Uh, I'll be back again. I'm going to definitely do at least a couple more podcast episodes this week. Um, but I just feel like I've got a lot to say. I feel more energized, especially talking to Hacksaw, who had a show every day, like four hours a day he did a show. Plus weekends when he was doing play-by-play and had the the mega pregame and postgame show when he was the Charger broadcaster. When I sat down with bre- from breakfast with him and I came home, I was like, Holy crap, if Hacksaw, he's my inspiration. So I'm hoping that I can do a lot more content because there's so much to comment about. And whether it's local issues in Poway or San Diego, or if it's bigger issues, national, international issues, there is an important message that needs to be shared to see these current news topics through the lens 
of our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Going back to what makes America truly great are those ideas. And it's important, I think, that we see current events in from that point of view because we don't get that from others. Our mainstream media, our corporate media, they don't really look at it in terms of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our lefty, progressive media, they don't either, and neither do the right-wing people. They say they do, but they don't. Okay? I want to be able to express that. on, And that's why I, I took the bold move to talk about abortion at the top of this podcast episode, which was taking a hell of a risk. I, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, uh, that's a topic that you're going to get sliced and diced no matter what you say. But I felt compelled to share my thoughts on this because there's so many abortion laws that are going into effect or have been overturned in these states that are going to have an impact should the Supreme Court make a decision. But I think I have a unique perspective to share, a unique perspective to share there, also consistent with our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, so thank you very much, friends. This is the John Riley Project. This is episode number two hundred and is it seventy two? Yeah, two seventy two. All right, friends. We'll see you later. Have a great day. Bye bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.